welcome to Art of the Score, the podcast that explores, demystifies, and celebrates some of the greatest soundtracks of all time from the world of film, TV, and video games. I'm Andrew Poxon, and in each episode, we'll be joined by Daniel Golding and Nicholas Buck as we check out a soundtrack we love, break down its main themes, explore what makes the score tick, and hopefully impart our love of the world of soundtracks. In episode 16, we continue to explore the music from Star Wars, The Force Awakens, with our second and final part to our analysis. The Force Awakens is such an underrated and magical score, and we are really looking forward to sinking our teeth into the remainder of all these amazing pieces of music. And joining me still in my little mud hut in Jakku Village is composer, arranger, orchestrator, conductor, and fluffy blow-up bread maker, it's Nicholas Buck. How you doing, Nick? Good. I have no idea what that reference means. <laughs> it's, it's Ray. Ray makes her bread by inflating it. And do you know the most amazing thing? Sorry to completely derail this before we begin. That is a practical effect. That's not wow. digital. No, that is a practical it's effect. I'm going to watch the film again, clearly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to be back. And um, the music's picked up and we're going to pick up. And um, yeah, look, there's still some some fantastic bits of music we haven't even touched on in this film. And uh, it's, it's, a, it's a score which rewards multiple listens. And we're going we're gonna to point out all the, the beauties for you. Absolutely. And... Hanging out in Maz's palace, just up the back with all the criminals, Nick, that, that looks ominous, is writer, critic, university lecturer, and original member of Jabba's Sal Barge Karaoke Lounge, it's Dan Golding. How are you doing, Dan? I'm good. I'm looking forward to finishing what we started uh, in, this, in this episode and continuing our analysis. Beautiful. I, um, I was really happy when we, we made the decision to sort of go a two-parter on this mm. one because I think that there is just so much great music uh, to get through and this really gives us a chance to sort of stretch our legs a little bit and sort of talk about all of these great themes. Now, of course, we went through a lot of the, uh, I guess you'd call them the main themes in in part one. And in this second part, we might sort of delve into some of the, the little lesser known parts or the parts that don't immediately jump out and see if we can't find uh, some more sort of surprising magical discoveries. I mean, I'm really keen. We haven't seen Last Jedi yet. Nope. And uh, nor is it out nope. yet, uh, at least in our timeline. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I am really hoping that by looking through a lot of this, we can just discover, mm. you know, what what is going to happen in the next film. Yeah, I think there's some clues. I mean, you you wrecked it for me, Dan, by saying uh. that John Williams, you know, hadn't been told. Maybe that's <laughs> maybe that's it. The throwing out a little, you know, little red herring. Maybe. Maybe, mm. could be, could be. I mean, you know, but at the same time, like, you know, I think you, from watching uh, The Force Awakens, you get a, a clear idea of a few, you know, a few places where the film might be going or could go or, or, or actually may well go. So, you know, I think it's certainly not beyond the bounds of possibility that Williams has, has thrown a few ideas in there to build on. Absolutely. Now, Nick, I've got a question for you. How did you feel about this score? When you first heard it, when you're in the cinema, you first heard it, did it jump out as instant classic? 
What, has it grown on you? What, what do you think? Um, it is definitely the latter. It's definitely grown on me. Look, it felt very at home in Star Wars. It felt like Star Wars. I there was one there was one exact moment which I gravitated towards, and to me, just went oh. But I'm not going to tell you what it is because it's highly likely we'll discuss it and I'll, I'll let you know my <laughs> oh, right. moment Yep. Um, when, when, when and if we get to it. Um, if we don't get to it, I'll be sure to mention it, but I'm pretty sure we will. Yeah, so look, yeah, it, it was a score that, that I had to kind of, I don't know. I mean, I, I, as a composer, I'm always listening to music in films, but mm. at the same time, there was so much going on in this Star Wars film that I was sort of, mm. oh, I was just sort of taking it all in. And so look, I really liked it, but it, it, did, it, it did grow on me. Definitely. What do you think, Dan? What did? You, what were your immediate reactions when you got out of the cinema? Yeah, similar to Nick in that, I mean, I was taking the film uh, and I do usually consciously listen to the music. I suppose it was mainly the end credits where I was sort of sitting there going, wow, that was quite a film that I just saw. But also, secondly, now I can finally listen to the music properly. Mm. <laughs> and yeah, I think, you know, I liked Ray's theme. I didn't love it. Now I love it. Yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> uh, as mentioned in the previous episode, thought that um, Kylo Ren's main theme um, was a bit a bit cliched. Now I think it's fantastic. Yep. And I think, you know, there are quite a few little musical moments, not all of which are actually on the soundtrack release. Mm. Mm-hmm. Like like one of the, the most beautiful versions of, of Poe's motif or theme is is not on the, the album where he's destroying mm. the, 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 you know, the fighters above Takadana. And uh, yeah, I, look, I think I think it's it's really underrated, and I think there's a real um, potential to build. Here's uh, so you guys, I feel like you're a lot more across the constructions of the albums as a you know as they relate to the movie for a lot of these films um, more than I am because I must admit that I I didn't necessarily collect albums and I'm not that I'm not a sort of album file if that mm. makes any sense um, even though I have always listened to them and so on this one feels maybe I've just become aware of it but this one feels like the album version have spent a huge amount of time putting together bespoke suites yeah I mean, and that, that's 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 a real Williams thing he mm. does it a lot and he mm. He, you know, goes for sort of optimal listening experience and will often join cues um, sort of together, you mm. know, and, and segueing, chop little bits out um, for, a, you know, a better listening experience on album. Yeah, which right. wasn't the case with, you know, earlier uh, earlier film scores and stuff. You mm. just sort of, you'd, you'd get all the music. Yeah. But even like, even the first Star Wars film, I think, you know, you had sort of yeah. selections yeah, yeah, and then Princess it was, sort of took, took to the same. 90s to get like mm. the full release of stuff yeah mm. that's right and, and it creates that real kind of fandom mm. <laughs> out yeah. there on the internet to kind of find this stuff no and it's it's i mean it's interesting because the versions that are currently available on spotify and apple music are the original vinyl releases and oh, so they're okay. they're they're versions of the star wars scores that are out of order that don't contain the whole music from the film whereas in the 90s we had those full like from start to finish yep. two cd releases yeah yeah um i would say the force away the score release, the official one, because there's only one so far, is fairly faithful to the movie, but abbreviated. Yeah. Mm. I mean, look, there, there's 23 tracks on the album. Yep. I, I, I've got, you know, I happen to have everything because I've conducted this film and there's about 48 cues. Yeah. And even some of them are, are, are multiple cues within yeah. mm. one cue. So. I, I also think that um, there's a bit of difference in audio quality um, between, well, what we hear on the, the score release, yes. the CD, and what we actually hear in the film. I yeah, think, really? you know, what's in the film is a lot richer, yeah, sonically. Okay. I think on, yep. the, on the CD, it's 
It's been mastered a lot. Yeah, and right. And it's it is quite different. Yeah, some mm. of the examples I've been playing are from the the film. Mm. Um, I it's like, like an isolated track, and yeah, they 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 have a different different mix in some yeah. ways. I guess that's interesting. <laughs> maybe I they have, have no to cut idea. through sound effects and stuff. Who knows? And they're sort of they're bright. Ma- maybe. maybe who knows? Yeah, maybe. I mean, look, it just feels like the CD that we have is much more sort of you know like pristine. Like we we've done everything we can to get it perfect, and I yeah. actually think that's not quite the the spirit of Star Wars music. I think <laughs> you know, it, as we we're discussing in the previous episode, you should be able to hear players breathing. You should yeah. be able to hear that sort of slight distortion with the you know muted trumpets and that sort of stuff. You know, yeah. the, the slight ugly edges to it. Yeah, I love um, I love the human factor. Exactly. You yeah. know, I love breath. Yep. I think, uh, you know, a lot of musicians, especially musicians who don't use breath, who don't use wind, mm. are often taught to breathe when they play. And, you know, I think breath in any music is so important. Yep. Um, it's the most, it's the easiest way for us to feel connected to it without knowing why we feel connected to it. Yep. <clears throat> um, and if it sort of breathes naturally, which I why I often think that vocal music whether with words or without words, is the, you know, even people who don't like music, in inverted commas, mm. if they do like it, it'll be something with, with words, yep. with, with someone singing. And I think it's that human element. You mm. know, I can latch on to the human element with the breath, with the voice. I think choirs in, in you know, film music instantly give you a humanness yeah. Um, <clears throat> in those as soon as they put a choir in there. Mm. Uh, yeah, so when you maintain that human quality throughout all of the non, you know, human instruments, I, st- yeah, I just think that's where the magic is. Yeah. yeah. Well, speaking of breath, let's hear a breathtaking cue that does not appear on the official soundtrack album. This is called Icelanding. <laughs> Great, isn't it? <laughs> it's, it starts with that little uh, Millennium Falcon theme mm. at the start. <laughs> a and little then, bit, yeah. And then it sort of grows into... The Ripple Fanfare. It's yeah, almost Rebel like a little fanfare. development suite of the Ripple Fanfare. Yeah. Mm. That's the moment where um, Han and Chewie land, land the actual Falcon on... Starkiller base, mm. yes. kind of blast with the trees and stuff. It's really fantastic. I, I love how there's <clears throat> it changes key about three times. Yeah, the, da, the da, 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 da. but I mean, you know what? What that reminds me of is that in our very first episode when we were talking about Raiders of the Lost Ark, with the very first performance of Indiana Jones's theme, where it's almost like it's warming up to get onto the plane, and yeah, it's yeah. played a few different times until mm. it finally gets it right. It's like, how do we fly this thing again? Yeah, 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 yeah. exactly. Yeah, we used so, to be able to land. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> a bit, bit, bit rustier now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's sort of like, oh, we'll keep going, and then, and then, and then. And now we finally got it right. Yeah. 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 Mm. And look, I think this is a great place to to discuss um, the reuse of old themes. And by old, I mean mm. from the original trilogy mm. um, and possibly, you know, it's possibly the prequels as well. Because there's actually a lot of, of uh, I guess for, for me especially, um, nostalgic themes. I don't know how you guys mm. feel them. But, yeah. you know, we talk about this film being um, a bit of a, a look back at, at episode four. And I think it, it really, the use of these old classic Star Wars themes to me are so important 
in establishing that because we said before, you know, it is the music that takes you there, gives you that emotional hook. And I certainly, when watching the film, were really drawn to like, oh, like the first time we heard Leia's theme. I'm like, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, we're back. It's been so long. Like, mm. I don't think, was it, were they, was Leia's theme ever in the prequels? Yeah, when anywhere? she's born. Yeah. Okay, when she's born. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, it'd have to be like once. So it's yeah. been, mm. you know, 30, 40 years since yeah. we've heard it in, in a film. Mm. And in fact- uh, the- she, Yeah, yeah. There's a larger expansion of it when she's handed over to Bail Organa, her adoptive mm. father. But yes, yes. So very briefly. It's, it's yeah. been a while. Mm. And, you know, and I mean, um, Carrie Fisher was a much um, yes. older lady now and her performances of this theme is really, it's really nice and it's sort of calm and it sort of takes you back. Um, and beautifully, Williams- as he did a lot in Empire Strikes Back, he seamlessly kind of weaves straight into the love theme between Han and Leia. And this, this is where we first hear it in the film. When I was watching the film, that those two moments were the were the musical moments where it really like even now, even listening to it just them, the first few notes of Princess Leia's theme, I actually got an involuntary like catch in my breath. I had to like yeah. reset manually, uh, consciously reset my breathing. And look, are they, you know, the fact that Carrie Fisher has now passed away, yeah. it makes it so much. Yeah, you know, I, I, when I was, I've sort of conducted this a couple of times, and it's been. Yeah, as soon as you get to moment, I'm like, oh, it just it takes yeah. me back, and it's re- it's beautiful. And that that little bit at the end, Nick, with the oboe, mm. yeah, passes from the cellos up to the oh, oboes. and and it just sort of rises up, and it yeah. hangs that note right up the end. Can you cue, mm. cue that little bit up at the end there? Whatever it is, I can mm. actually, yeah. Because it's it, almost like, are they going to kiss? Well, well, no. I mean, uh, because there's a very similar musical idea that happens in Empire Strikes Back yeah. when 3PO interrupts them when they are yeah. kissing, yeah. Um, where that, that same part of the phrase hangs there at the end. Mm. So like, the, like, that's the first time we see Princess Leia in this film. Mm. And like, like we have no idea what the state of their relationship. We're, it's kind yeah. of been hinted at. You know, mm. We know Han's obviously off by himself when we first see him. He's only with Chewie. Like, oh. Mm. What happened to Leia? Weren't they really happy at the end of Return of the Jedi? Yeah, so yeah, something's yeah. gone down. And when we see them, you know, have that reunion here, we're not sure. Is she going to slap him? Is she going to run mm. and kiss him? So mm. the, the fact that Williams is sort of treating it quite delicately. I, I also think, nice. I mean, there's several things about this theme, I think is the most significant of the returning themes by far um, for a number of different reasons. Um, but, uh, well, I mean, it's also worth pointing out that um, although we can direct listeners to a discussion of all of these other original themes in our um, in our original Star Wars podcast, mm. we can't direct them to a discussion of Han Solo and the Princess because that's true. that appears 
first yeah, we in never discussed Empire Strikes Back. <laughs> yeah. I actually think it's probably the most beautiful romantic theme that Williams has, has written. Mm. Um, but the reason why I think it's significant is it was also significant to the marketing campaign and it was the main cue that was used in yes. that, that first full trailer for... Um, this film for The Force Awakens. And the reason why it's significant is because it's the only main theme, the only main theme from the original films that is not reused in the prequels. All of the others get a Guernsey. Yoda's theme, Luke's theme, the Force theme, of course. Mm. Rebel fanfare, Leia's theme, as we just discussed before. Mm. The only one that doesn't make it back... Um, as a main theme anyway, mm. as opposed to a minor motif, mm. is this Hansel and the Princess. And so, I think, especially part of the advertising campaign, you know, when they, they had those little featurettes about, this is the length we're make, going yeah. to, to, to to have the special, the special effects be real and costumes and sets and mm. stuff like that, sort of linking this Star Wars film with the original trilogy, sort of saying, you know, and that was that that key thing about the line in the trailer. Like, it's true, all of it. It's kind of like, you remember that Star Wars you used to love? Well, it's true. It's all, you know, like, it's all it's all back. Yeah. And kind of, you know, and we'll just forget about the elephant in the room, which is the prequels that everybody hates. Um, you know, and that, that's that kind of musical link, especially in the advertising. And it's used quite a lot in this film, um, Hansel and the Princess, is that kind of saying, hey, like, this film, it follows those ones that you used to really like. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And what is, I mean, look, you said it hasn't been heard since, you know, some of the original the original trilogy. I'm going to play a performance now, which is possibly the last time we'll ever hear it mm. in a Star Wars film. And have a listen to the harmony because Williams, you know, we all know how, how Han Solo meets his demise, but Williams really gives that to you. It, it really has a mournful, you know, sort of see you later Han kind of, kind of element to it. And, it, and it's, the clue is in the, the bass register of the harmony. So what Williams does is he, he he never gives us a strong tonic. So normally the theme would be and then it rises up. Whereas here he keeps the fifth in the in the bass and he and he keeps it there the whole time. drops it to just a single note so it's 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 kind of it's got this dark pool you know of, mm. of sort of yeah of dread you know of death whatever but it's interesting yeah it sort of pulls it towards nothingness yeah the, yeah finality i mean especially when it heads down to that that final note mm. there is no harmony anymore it's yep. just a single note and it's it's like the music is like we have nothing more to say yep. about this yep. you know it's yeah. The last note, the last breath, the last, you know. Yeah, it's not uh, goodbye, Han. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Goodbye, Han. Yeah. It's just, it's simple, yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So much the, more. We've, we've had the cathartic moment. Yeah. It's just, it's just a note. So much more poignant. Yeah. Mm. Now, from that um, to, I guess, like Luke's theme or 
really in this film, it's it's um, it's not really Luke's theme. It's treated as as the Star Wars f- yeah, franchise, yeah, the theme. Star yeah. Wars theme. Yeah, um, and it pops up here and there. It, interestingly, it pops up the very first time, apart from the you know the the, the title crawl, when Han kind of first steps into the cockpit of the Millennium Falcon. Just has mm. this nice little, really simple performance on flutes. But Williams writes this thing he dubs the Scherzo for X-Wings. A Scherzo is basically like a sort of a light, frivolous, you know, uh, fancy dance um, movement that's often put in symphonies. And he has this a bit like a kind of a cousin to that March of the Resistance where that was kind of stately and march-like. This has a real kind of frenetic bop to it. And, and bits of this sound like his music for Skirtso for Motorcycle and Orchestra. Mm. So, um, and you'll see bits of the Star Wars theme sort of come in and out, almost like they're, they're fugal. They're sort of, you know, calling and answering each other. So it's really, it's really kind of exciting, mm. um, and it's a nice, a nice. There's so many Williamses, yeah. Those dum jump, dum jump, jump. <laughs> yeah. you know. You, you picture Indiana Jones, you know, yeah. swing hit, you know, like you know, mm. boxing the bald guy, yeah. or yeah. just little, it's almost a kind of comical yeah. in the actiony mm. Williams way that he, that he does it. Mm. It's, um, I mean, even nice. even the concept of the skirtso in in terms of its history was intended as a joke. Mm. It was the waltz. You know, the dance that was sped up so fast that you couldn't possibly dance to it. And that was the joke that you, you know, the, you know, try dancing to this. One, two, three, yeah. one, two, three, one, two, three, you know, and it was <laughs> yeah. supposed to be a silly thing. Right. And so by, you know, harking back to that super old, um, you know, idea of the scherzo and then there is some comedy to it or there is, you know, I don't know, um, it's have it's light at least. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's actually using some of those really, you know, hundreds of years old ideas in music um, that, you know, a really fast three with frenetic, you know, hits and, uh, you know, punches everywhere can sort of be quite amusing and fun, you know. Mm. Mm. And yeah. definitely, I mean, it's interesting that that theme doesn't turn up a lot throughout the film um, and it's I mean because it's in keeping with the fact that it doesn't turn up a lot through the prequels despite the fact that it's the opening titles to every single Star Wars film mm, yeah. well except for Rogue One it's um, like William saves it for whenever he yeah. needs to just say something yeah. melodic and he kind of hasn't got a theme or doesn't want to write something yeah. they just remind people yeah remember yeah. this is Star yeah, Wars here we are yeah because yeah, yeah. he easily could have done like a sort of similar fugal scherzo thing based on the rebel fanfare for example yeah. mm. but I guess that's very specific more to Han. You know, mm. they're not the rebels now. They're the resistance. Yeah. So. Can I, I reckon these two examples being the, the Star Wars Luke's theme, whatever you want to call it, and the rebel fanfare, I personally believe are the least successful harking back to the old themes. And I only say that because I feel that they're only used in a let's press the nostalgia button now. Mm. Um, like, for instance, the rebel fanfare. Um, I guess when it turns up, it's often related to Han doing mm-hmm. things. 
Um, but there are moments where it's not. It's just a way of saying, remember the old movies? Yeah. They were great. Well, I mean, the, the, the biggest moment for the yeah. Rebel fanfare is the reveal of the Millennium Falcon. Yeah, yeah, which is yeah. the old, you know, mm. I guess. Mm. Um, and I guess the, the Falcon flew for the Rebels. Yeah. Um, it could be as, as simple as the fact that it's they're a bit broader than- Like, I know Luke Sim is kind of written for Luke, but outside of that first- Film, mm. I don't. I feel like it was more applied as like a general mm. franchise very theme. Very so true. they're 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 broader. They're not as character specific. You know, mm. the rebels. It could be these bunch of guys. Star Wars them could be these kind of the the goodies in general. Mm. And maybe that's it's yeah. Maybe it's because I don't broader. have the um, the emotional attachment to those themes. Maybe that's what it is. Yeah. Like when I hear, prin- all- like you said, Princess Leia's theme or yeah. even the Force theme, uh, you know, hairs on the back of my neck every time. It's because well, there's no minor chords. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I was I was thinking that actually because, you know, uh, as we discussed in other, our other Star Wars episode, um, A New Hope, Not Force Awakens, in the final Death Star trench run, we get a, a really concerted effort-filled Luke version theme, which is in a minor key. Um, yeah, and, yeah, and I'd be interested to see the kind of emotional effects if in The Last Jedi we have some Luke straining against difficulties and we get that same sort of minor key feel to it. Yeah. I wonder whether that yeah. would be interesting. Because even like episode four, you know, you get like a lonely clarinet. Oh, yeah. you know, I feel mm. a bit nostalgic playing that. Yeah. But, mm. yeah. It's yeah, happy. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, to me, it's like I never gravitated towards Yoda's theme because that's purely positive. Yeah. No, Yoda's theme is great. What are you talking <laughs> about? There's no minor cause. I mean, if, fight, if, if, fight, if, fight. If Ray's theme was major, I don't think you'd dig it as much. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that's horrendous. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. It's it's maybe that's it. It's, we're all sucker for minor chords. Minor chords, the pool. Yeah, we're we're, we're very sim- we're simplifying this very much. But no, anyway, it's it, they're very interesting observations. Mm. Um, look, we got to talk about the force theme because yes. we said in episode when we we're discussing episode four how this really has become the defining theme of the franchise. It's the heart and soul of Star Wars in general, mm. in mm. my opinion. And you know, maybe. Maybe the force theme is, I mean, anytime in this film where they talk about, you know, Luke or some kind of like bigger, grander plan story, you know, the whole kind of Star Wars universe, universe, the force theme is 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 played, mm-hmm. uh, and really in that kind of, you know, middle register French horn, um, magical, yeah, it, it's just, mm. it's really fantastic use, and that is what gives me those nostalgic goosebumps mm, yeah. way more than than the the main Star Wars franchise. It's the theme. religion. Yep. Yeah. It's the religion of this of, yep. of this entire franchise. Yep. And, and by that, I mean, you know, people joke about I'm a Jedi on my, you know, census form. But it really is the, it's the spirit. It's the the other thing, mm. which, um, you know, for me, the force was the always- all together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, the force was always the, the mystic, the mm. could be anything. Um, and, you know, the, yeah, the religion. It's, yeah. And I think that's why we, you know, we sort of, as soon as we hear it, like, oh, so special. Yeah. Something special is happening, you know. So, I mean, I yeah, I, I like there's one thing we really got to talk about with the Force theme with this with this film. And that is really, to begin with, uh, it's it's lack, the lack of the Force theme. And that is, I Ooh. just want to, I just want to play you this track, The Ways of the Force. Now, this is... Uh, the bit of this track, The Ways of the Force, off the, off the original, of the soundtrack release, this is the bit where 
you know, Ray's been knocked out and Finn's just been defeated trying to defend her by uh, Kylo Ren when they're fighting in the snow mm. in the forest. And uh, Kylo Ren goes in for the kill. Um, he goes to use the force to pick up the lightsaber. The lightsaber shakes, flies past him. He just ducks out of the way and it lands in Ray's hand. And then she sort of takes over the fight and eventually defeats him. That moment in the original music written by Williams sounds like this. So, that's what Williams wrote for the scene. We get, you know, a nice sort of forceful rendition of of the Force theme. And I think this is kind of interesting just taken by itself because, um, just to pause for a moment, I think J.J. Abrams, if there's one criticism I'd make of his directorial style is that I don't think there's a lot of room in the score, sorry, room in the film for the score to breathe like there is in George Lucas's films um, where there are several moments in every film where there's moments where it's sort of like, okay, now it's the orchestra's turn. Yep, yep. Whereas in The Force Awakens, it's just a lot more dialogue and mm. sort of action and not really moments for the, for, the, for the score to take over. But in this moment instead, uh, what actually happened is for, I think, I believe the first time in any Star Wars film, we get actually a tracked drop-in, you know, needle drop. Uh, there, I think in Attack of the Clones, there were some drop-ins from the Phantom Menace. Right. In sort of nebulous action bits, right. but nothing nothing like this. Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, just, just to listen though, this is the bit in the film where I was like, oh. Yeah, right, <laughs> right. Yeah, and and like, like Dan said, what, what they did was basically take a cue from A New Hope. This is episode four back in 1977. The Burning Homestead cue, to be, mm. to be precise, where Luke... Uh, comes back to his and discovers his, and discovers his, his parents of um, I mean sorry parents adoptive uncle mm. and you know they've yep. they've been killed by the empire mm. um, yeah and they literally just dropped in the same recording from 1977 didn't yep. even re-record it <laughs> yeah um, and which obviously means it must have been a change made after the scoring sessions they just mm. in the editing process decided look this this we want this version and I think there's a good reason why and it just I, agree. I don't know what it is it just has a much, much stronger emotional hook. Mm-hmm. And when the lights ever flew out of the, the, the ice, smacked into her hands, and there was that yeah. do-do-do-do-do-do-do-do. I was like, you know, well, goosebumps that, running. Yeah. It just it sucked the blood out of me. And I was just yeah. like, oh. I completely agree. This, this I, compl- is, I had a total moment when I heard that for the first time. Shall we, shall we hear how it is in the film? Yep. I have many things to say about this. 
Um, not in the least that, as I think we were all laughing there, there's the DS era. DS era, yeah. 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 Um, I, that, that is, I have a thing to say about that. Okay. Um, <laughs> but I think this works for a number of really clear reasons. And this is the final piece in the, the kind of thing that I was, the argument that I was constructing in the, in the previous episode about the, you know, the kind of fugal elements or John Williams kind of understanding this film. And uh, maybe this wasn't Williams' decision. Uh, it probably wasn't. It was maybe more J.J. Abrams, um, I suspect, um, to, to just drop this in but it's kind of like here we get the almost literal idea of a fugue where it's you know the, the, the older piece being dropped in in the middle of the newer piece and um i just kind of want to think about the two moments between the two films mm. because it is the ds era moment if you take the ds era to be this kind of turning of the fates Yep. Um, as I as I think we kind of discussed it in yeah, the original yeah. the Star Wars episode, the first one that we did, um, is this kind of you know um, everything hinges on on this this kind of fateful musical idea. Well, you know, in um, a New Hope, what happens is Luke comes home, and that's the moment where he finally gives up this idea that he's going to be a farm boy on Tatooine and be faithful and you know stay with his adopted you know, guardians. Mm. Um, and, and he's like, I'm giving up on that idea. I'm going to go and embrace the idea of being a hero. I'm going to go and it's save like the there's, galaxy. There's no turning back now. There's no mm. turning back. Whereas Ray, throughout the film, she earlier rejected the lightsaber. She was like, I'm never touching that thing again. You know, I'm, I, I want to go back to Jakku. I'm g- not going to be the hero. Mm. And so her using the force to call the lightsaber to her and her touching it is her symbolically embracing in the same way as Luke embraces in that moment, it, their kind of hero status, their fact yeah. that they're leaving that life behind. Yeah. Mm. They're going to be, you know, the hero of the film. And to me, I think, you know, to, to just take that same musical idea, which includes that DSRA, yep. you know, sort yep. of fateful <laughs> musical tradition that goes back hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of years. It's sort of like, it just seals everything for okay. me. I would not be surprised if that was a conversation had with yeah. with the filmmakers, yeah, mm. you know, as to why that exact performance and that cue was dropped mm. in. Mm. I think I think it makes absolute perfect sense. I also yep. see it as uh, so it's it's Luke's lightsaber. Yeah, Luke had the lightsaber with him when that moment happened because mm. he had already had it given to him by Obi Wan. Very true. And as she catches it, it's almost like the memory that that lightsaber has. Mm. It remembers that moment and, you know, in the same way that when um, it's touched, all of a mm. sudden, all of these memories come back. Mm. It's the first time that we see an object or we have the idea of an object within Star Wars has this, you know, this like history and memory attached to it. Yep. And that the force brings back all sorts of, you know, amazing things. I mean, this is that moment again. It's the yep. the lightsaber that was at that moment is mm. now at the same moment for this new person, like you yeah. pointed out just then. Yeah. And therefore, it can only be that music. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and, yeah. And so specifically, I, you know, almost certainly in reality, it's because the scoring session had was over and, you know, and they couldn't re-record it. But <laughs> I think had, you know, if I was JJ, mm. the- decision to use that old recording is the perfect decision. Yeah. Because, you know, almost to the point where in in the live performances that you conduct, Nick, I would love 
for it to just the orchestra doesn't play it and then yeah. it, and it's the original LSO <laughs> comes in <laughs> over the top because it's yeah. that idea of mm. you know we're not just playing the notes it's actually the the exact moment in time mm. um, both in the recording and in the you know the the idea of the the within the movie mm. is is you know heralded at that point so mm. I for, you know, for, yeah for that split second you're mm. hearing. 80 other musicians. Yeah. You know, some of who might not be alive anymore. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. It's history. Yeah. You know, it's, yeah. it's, it's literal. It's sonic it's musical, sonic history. musical history coming yeah, through. Yeah, you're hearing two different timelines in actual sense. Yeah. Like not just fictional. You're hearing yeah. two different real life timelines at, yeah. at once. Two different yeah. cultures. A bunch of American musicians, a bunch of English musicians yeah. over <laughs> in London for the originals, yeah. you know. Mm. Um, oh, what a great moment. Oh, it's yeah. a fantastic moment. Mm. Yeah, yeah. We haven't actually talked about, we'll just quickly mention the fact that this score is actually the first Star Wars score to not be recorded in London with the London Symphony Orchestra. Yeah, yeah. we didn't mention that, and did they, we? They, 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 I think they did that because the scoring schedule was was not your typical, you know, film's finished, let's mm. set aside these two or three weeks and record. Mm. It was done over several months and it was just mm. too difficult to kind of keep going mm. back to London. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, look, it has. if you look, at, if you pay close attention, it has a slightly different sonic Yep. Signature, you know, the, the players have a different sound. Some of the the, the instruments might be different, mm. um, different room where it's recorded. But mm. it's still still a fantastic recording. Yeah, yeah. It also yeah. meant that you know they were able to have things uh, do things like have um you know Gustavo Dudamel do the conducting for yeah. the, the the opening credits and the yes. closing credits. Yeah, yeah. The, well, the opening crawl. Yeah. yeah, so yeah. I mean, for those those listeners who don't know, Dudamel is um I don't know one of the most famous. He's a wunderkind conductor yeah. these days. The yeah, world, he's, yeah. He's and fantastic. the chief conductor of the LA Philharmonic. Yeah, yep. even though it's not technically the LA Phil, it's piles of players from the LA Phil mm. in there. Mm. Um, large amount of them and you know some session musicians from in LA um, but so much of the LA music scene um, were brought in to to sort of be a part of that project so mm. yeah um, now while we're getting all nostalgic with these old themes I just want to play a section of the film right at the end um, and it's, it's it's this thing that Williams does so well where he kind of like he changes moods so effortlessly and recaps themes and weaves them all into kind of one little package. Um, it's almost like a, a concert suite, mm. but it's actually accompanying action. And, and it really, it, it, it's a very exciting piece of music. And it starts actually with a really beautiful performance of Leia's theme. But listen for the buildup after that. And we hear strains of the Rebel fanfare, Luke's theme, and then kind of going into Ray's theme. So really mixing all these, all this material together.
with you know with Ray in a spaceship and they're off off to um find Lukey Poos mm. hiding away somewhere. <laughs> uh, but it's yeah, it's just really vintage lovely Williams, collection. Isn't it? Yeah, it's beautiful. It's mm. just ridiculous how effortless <laughs> yeah. that is. Oh, I know, I know. It's just, like, it's, it just sounds uh, like it was the easiest thing in the world oh, for him yeah. to do. It was just like, oh, what are you going to do? Yeah, yeah. so we're going to do that. <laughs> Chuck that like, theme you know, in. Yeah, whatever. Throw yeah. that in. <laughs> My God, that would take me months to figure out how to oh, do that. Man. Ridiculous. Now we've forgotten one guy. Okay. Yep, we've forgotten one guy, and it's not on the soundtrack, so yep. you'd be forgiven for missing it. But there is a tiny little cue, um, which which uh, harkens back to a character long gone in this series. But I'll play it, and I'll see if you can guess who it is. Darth Jabber. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it's some nice orchestration of the Imperial March. Though. It is. It's nice. Yeah. yeah. Bass clarinet in there bass, again. Oh, look, yes. I didn't want to say it, mm. but you know, yes. You're a bass clarinet fan, aren't I you? I am a Dan? bass clarinet fiend. <laughs> I tell you what, there are entire <laughs> schools that I love because of that. Taxi driver, amazing. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> please continue. Uh, I just mentioned when I was driving in to record this podcast tonight, I was writing things in my in my phone. Um, <laughs> just before I left uh, about um, uh, just things to remember and make sure we talk about mm. and I was trying to type in with one hand uh, uh, Darth Vader and I looked at my phone afterwards and it said Daryl Vader <laughs> <laughs> so, thanks predictive text <laughs> hey Daryl <laughs> <laughs> yes <laughs> what are you doing later Daryl <laughs> Yeah, anyway. For all of our um, our listeners not from Australia, um, I, I feel like we need to put more Australianisms into yeah, yeah. in this podcast. I, I feel like the Daryl's a real ocker, yeah, an Australian yeah. name. Hey, Daryl, Dazza, Dazza, Dazza yeah. Vader. <laughs> Dazza. <laughs> now, um, um, let, let, let's go on to some some other stuff which um, we want to talk about in this film, and really, I think this next it's almost a theme motif yeah. theme. I reckon has has to play a part in the next film. Yes. And in fact, if it doesn't, I will walk out of the cinema in disgust. Whoa. <laughs> well, Whoa. after the film's over, I'll watch, I'll watch <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but what I'm talking about mm. is the music that Williams wrote right at the end of this film for the whole Jedi steps or Jedi temple sequence mm. when Ray arrives on that teeny tiny planet which was filmed in Scotland? Where is it? Uh, it's it's, it's got to be somewhere. Ireland, Ireland, yeah. It's called The planet is called Achto. Is that when you stub your toe? Yeah. Ach toe. It's, it's actually, it, like, it looks to me like it's meant to be pronounced Achto because it's A A, uh, sorry, A C H. Oh, no. I don't know. I've left out a letter. Anyway. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, but apparently, I don't know, in all the, the, the press junkets, I've heard them say Achto. So, mm, yeah. sure. Okay. Um, but look, it's a really, really interesting theme. Um, it's very mysterious. It has a really element of sort of um, mythic grandeur, grandeur to it. And again, minor key, big, broad intervals. Um, and it's almost like, to me, it's like if Luke had a dark side in him, like this would be his music. I mean, maybe that's exactly what it's hinting at. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it's certainly not, you know, hooray, we've landed this island. Luke, yes, big hunks all around. Mm. It really treats him as this long lost Jedi. It, it's almost mm. like, you know, we're meeting Obi-Wan Kenobi in episode four for the first time. He mm. has sort of, you know, a, a mythic element to him. Um, and the way it builds up starts on really simple, uh, um, um, you know, high cellos and violas moves to the woodwinds and then really builds um, and is performed on the on the French horns is just glorious. 
and and really have a listen to some of the harmonic movement because there's chordal progressions that to me sound like Darth Vader's music. Yeah, mm. so it's really it's really interesting um, uh, cue. I mean, I think that's that's the best implementation of like original new music, new themes in in the whole film. Mm. Yeah, mm. if I look, this would be the only other bit in the film where I first saw it, and I was just like, oh, like yeah. you can feel the ending is coming. Yeah, like everyone in the cinema like knew what was yeah. what was sort of coming up. We're gonna meet Luke. Yeah, um, but um, you were talking about JJ not leaving room for the score. Oh, look, I know. <laughs> I, this I is, think I this think is the moment. Really, these, these last <laughs> few minutes, absolutely. Yeah, I I think that's the best argument against everything I was saying before. But yeah, and I wonder if maybe Williams is having a bit of fun as well. Mm. You know, he knows he's got this this room to play with, and I mean, how how. You know, we always wonder how much directors talk with Williams about really getting specific, you know, in terms of direction. You've heard many directors say, oh, we just leave him go and he writes everything. It's perfect. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You know, whether they said, look, really give Luke a dark kind of element uh, or whether Williams just decided that on his own. Yeah. And and he's saying, you know, he's he's, he's an old character. What do you think? But um, just cue that up at the start again there, Nick. Um, Something popped out instantly to me. The use of uh, the Celeste mm. over the top. Yeah. Yeah. Just sort of so we have. Um, the piano. Yeah, we have uh, Ray's instruments mm. turn up. Interesting. Um, and then the first version of the. Well, actually, it's it was just in the lower strings there, but um, the flute comes in again, and once again, Ray's yeah. Ray's instrument turns up. Um, and you know she's the one ascending the the mm. Jedi steps, mm-hmm. and you. At no point do they play. Do they play Ray's theme at no, any point? They don't. No. Yeah, but they bring in all of her instruments. Yeah, and so it's it's very much Ray. And you could you almost know. you could almost imagine it going. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, maybe it's an evolution of of Ray rather than suggesting Luke. Yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. Although, then again, we can also hear. I mean, as you said, as you said before, we played it. I mean, the the. The bum ba bum. I mean, that's yeah. the that's the Imperial March. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, you can also. I, I think probably you could play the two parts over the top. Da 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 da. That da 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 yeah. could be. Yeah. 
Yeah. Mm. It's like a slightly positive version. Yeah. yeah. If, no, Will- no. if William if Williams uses that, you get a like dollar. combined, yeah, I, I will take that dollar. You'll be, <laughs> it will be the, the most self-satisfied dollar you've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. I, I really like this. Um, yeah. I like this music. I like this scene. I thought that this was one of the more bold, in a modern mm. blockbuster, mm-hmm. with a modern audience who are used to having things tied up or used to mm. certain things happening. The fact that this led to a cool reveal. I thought the reveal was cool. Mm. I, I think mm. people have made a little bit of fun of the look on Luke's face. I actually thought yeah, it's really nah. cool. Yeah, I agree. When he, when he turns around. Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Me. And the way he's got that metal arm. It's yeah. yeah. Uh, it's and he's put off. It's very Obi-Wan Kenobi-ish. Mm. The fact that he's he's got rid of his, his hand, you mm. know, at least the skin around it. Um, that's cool. But the fact that he does not say a word. Mm-hmm. Genius. Yeah. Genius. There would have been so many other directors who would have had him say something, yeah. you know, at that moment. Ray, yeah. I'm your fanatic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it also, I mean, it, it makes your imagination run wild. Mm. You just see him. He looks so different to the last time we saw him at the end of Return of the Jedi. Mm. You're like, what has happened in the last 30 years? Where has he been? It's sort of, mm. yeah. my mom was swimming with possibilities, you know. And then credits... And you know, mm. I'm, I can't wait for the next two years to go yeah, yeah. so I can see what happens. Yeah, totally. well, to it, yeah, it's n- not long now, but I mean, I, I feel that it's very possible. Let's theorize a little bit about Last Jedi mm. um, because of this this cue here. I think it's very possible that Luke is struggling with the dark side again. I think that ultimately is always going to be Luke's struggle. Mm. I think it'll be a massive misstep if they ever let him go down the dark side because I think Luke always has to be the hero. Yeah, he has to be the good guy. Like I think it would be. A problem <laughs> if, if he is not the good guy at the end of the day. But you can see him struggle. I think that's totally cool. Mm. But when I heard the that Darth Vader, you know, theme, um, mm. all those chords come in at the end there, it didn't tell me that he's gone bad. No. It actually felt to me like it's the weight of his past and that he's actually been standing yeah. up on that hill, you know, just regretting a lot of things. Mm. And um, that includes his relationship with his dad, even though mm. that was somewhat resolved um, at the end of Jedi. Mm. Um, there is still a lot of history there that, you know, you could sit there regretting choices that you made or the way that your family has, you know, what path they've gone down and you wondering whether you've gone down the right path. And so, for me, it's not, oh, Luke's bad. You know, he's gone bad, but he's up there. It's actually Luke is just, he's he's just forlorn with with regret and memory mm. and the weight of his family's heritage yeah. and what you know destruction that that um you know Darth Vader wrought upon the you know the the galaxy and that's mm. brought out in the music yeah. yeah and and the fact that Luke potentially we don't know yet mm. Luke has maybe unleashed you know another his family line has unleashed another terror yeah. onto the galaxy and how bad you would feel as the yeah. good guy as the farm boy to be, you know, man, why is it that everything I touch doesn't yeah. go well, you know? Yeah. Here's a question for you. Why does, you know, Luke's kind of, it's like he's like a little outcast on this deserted island mm. or planet. Yep. Um, Yoda is also an old Jedi master on a sort of old deserted planet. Like, how does he get there? How does Yoda? How does Yoda get to Dagobah? Oh no, that's they show that at the end of Revenge of the Sith. He yeah, gets, it gets in a little gets in a little escape pod from Kashyyyk. Okay. Yeah, like just for, like does he choose to go live there or like? Yeah. doesn't he say I have to go away now? Yeah, or I have yeah, to do yeah. something. In, yeah, from yeah. memory, I haven't yeah, seen yeah. it in a little while now. Yeah, like, is there some like home. unwritten Jedi thing that they have to go do and yeah, find themselves and end up in weird places? I, I mean, <laughs> I think in in um, Yoda's instance, he's 
lost. Mm. The Jedi have lost. Mm. And he knows that now the only fate of the Jedi is to be hunted down. So, now I'm he's going hiding. to- Yeah, he's in hiding, really. I mean, that's the way I always took Yoda. I mean, it's not it's not dangerous. Like, it, it never feels like when you find Yoda that he is hiding, hiding from something bad happening. Um, in the same way that when you see Obi-Wan, he's yeah. hiding in the way, but he's also looking out for, yeah. you know, their, um, their last hope. Um, but- you know, it does feel like I, w- I can't be of any use to anyone anymore. So, I'm going to move away where I'm out of the, the view of the, the Empire and the, you know. Yeah. But Luke, know. Luke, Luke did also want to be found um, because he left right. the map with R2. That's true. Yes. Yeah. So, Absolutely. there's a slight difference there. Although, yeah. Yeah. yeah I, like, it's sort of, you know, um, returning when the time is right. You know, I return to you now at the turn of the tide sort of. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> Dan, you mentioned the map and- um, Interestingly, the the map kind of sequences get their own little musical identification. And we've talked in the past many times in this film music podcast about the significance of tritones. And here it is rearing its ugly head again. (laughs) Um, Williams uses the harmonic uh, interval of of a tritone to really underscore the mysteriousness of, of this whole map saga to find Luke. So, really, the, the running thread to this film, which is really is to, to try and find Luke, Williams really gives this sense of, of mystery. And the, and the harmonies he's using are um, like a D minor and an A flat minor. And have a listen to the cue. You'll hear the kind of this high celeste kind of outlining the chords. And this really brilliant use of like low flutes and clarinets sort of alternating on these chords. And together they create this really kind of beautiful sort of wash, but it's gorgeous. Nice. And actually, there's something in there that reminds me. I know I don't have a cue for comparison, but it reminds me a little bit of uh, Revenge of the Sith. Um, the the sort of end um, birth sequences there as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Where like yeah. it's like a happy moment, but but yeah, sort of talking about positive characters, but yeah. there's a darkness there. I mean, I think there's a bit of prequel DNA in the music to to this film. Yeah, more, more so than. Um, the film itself, the music is... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's, true. that's and, true. And this map's music is also used at the very start where Poe's talking to... Um, Law Center. I was to say Blofeld. Yeah. Um, in, <laughs> he was a Blofeld he in was. one of the Bond films. Yeah, he was in From Russia With Love. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, who is that character, first of all? This is the Max von Sydow character, the old yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi looking... You know, when I saw him on screen, I'm like, oh, I love this actor. Mm, and then he yeah. got killed like two yeah, seconds yeah, later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, it's like, why would you put him in a film and then get yeah. him off straight away? Is, yeah. he, is, is he important or is he just, is I he a red herring? I think in the books, um, the books that were, were around the time of this, I just can't mm. remember the name of the book. Um, they do explain who he is a little more. Yeah. He is certainly a friend of the, um, 
uh, of the resistance. Mm. And I think he has ties in through Princess Leia and uh, okay. um, the Organa family and, and so on. Um, look, uh, there are probably yeah. fans who are listening to this just screaming how wrong yeah. that is. But you know, he definitely is a well-known um, yeah. uh, okay. character to the resistance. Yep. And that's why, you know, Poe is down there, you know, sort of talking to him. Mm. Um, I mean, I like the fact that you kind of don't know who he is. It's like, it's like yeah. Snoke. Yep. You know, you, he's sort of... Who is he? Yeah. Um, that level of mystery is what makes people want to sort of see what happens. And, and can back. I point out the opening line, the very first line of this film that that guy says, yeah. which I'm going to, I'm paraphrasing here, but essentially the first line you hear in the entire film is, hopefully this will start to put things right. Th- this will begin to, to make things right. Yeah, there we yeah. are. There's the right the right line. But, and of course, he's, he says it so quickly and off the cuff and he's talking to Poe and then, you know, he hands over an object. But I I heard that in the cinema mm. and I'm like, what a way to start. I know, you know? Right? Yeah, yeah. You know those prequels? What's going wrong? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're, we're fixing them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's that's JJ telling the audience, mm. yeah. um, this, is my, this is my yeah. attempt, yeah. you know, yeah. Um, yeah. and things are going to be all right. Mm. Um, but uh, you mentioned, of course, Snoke mm. um, in yeah. there. And uh, Snoke gets a um, an interesting sort of little. Uh, he gets some Bulgarian motif. throat singing. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Look, let's play Snoke's music. It's very interesting, and it features a very, very, very low choir. Now in the score, there's there's lyrics. I guess we wouldn't call them lyrics, really. Mm. Um, there's words written, syllables, syllables. Yeah, um, I reckon they're Sanskrit. I haven't actually googled them to translate. But mm. Sort of, you know, rata mm. tum kawa te, yeah, kind yeah. of stuff. Um, I know Williams has used Sanskrit before for yeah, Jewel of the Fates and yeah. that other one, Battle of the Heroes, maybe, or was mm. that just Uz and I think Battle of the Heroes is, uh, but yeah, definitely for Jewel of the yeah. Fates. Mm. You know, it just has. Uh, but I'd be very interested to know if that is some kind of. Yeah, just just nice vowels that they're singing, mm. or whether it means anything. And I think this is the moment once again, like Jedi steps, where one of the other—I don't think it's a big question. This one, mm. but it's certainly a question that has gained a lot of traction <laughs> online with fans yeah. on who is Snoke. And I think the music potentially mm-hmm. gives you an idea. This is once again we have to assume that John Williams knows, or he could be theorising. Um, however, we've heard this type of music before in um, in Star Wars, and I guess the first time we we hear it is uh, for um, uh, the Emperor mm-hmm. in. Um, Return of the Jedi. And we get the Emperor's themes. And it's actually the first time that Williams uses a choir in Star Wars. So, this is in the third movie in episode six. Apart from the arrival at Bespin. Yes. Oh, very briefly. But very, very different briefly. choir. Really high. Oh, yeah. women's Angelic, choir. I didn't yeah. know that one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. yeah. Okay, but well, certainly I take it back then. low, this type of low yeah. men. Yeah. So, we have the Emperor's theme. And it's, once again, a low male choir.
now that choir it starts low, but then gets starts getting higher, and it gets a little more wailey. Um, yeah, exactly. So um, there is a there is sort of a, this history of the you know the definitely the Sith character mm. having the the low choir, but the Snoke theme is far more similar to another cue from the episode three. Um, which, uh, what's it called again? Revenge, Revenge of the, of the Sith. Sith yep. Revenge of the Sith. And it's when Palpatine is talking to Anakin in the opera, I think mm-hmm. they refer to it as. Mm-hmm. And there is he's talking about the um, Darth Plagueis, mm-hmm. who is this Jedi who has, um, you know, worked out how to avoid death, mm-hmm. you know, in the end. And this plays while they're talking about it. Etc. Etc. Mm. God, it, that, I mean, it's only one note here, but it could almost be the same cue. Yeah, it yeah. starts that just low. Oh. It's interesting in that scene as well because I don't think we'll do an, a full episode of Revenge of the Sith, but um, it, it's sort of unclear in that scene whether it's um, diegetic or not. That's true. Yeah, I mean, people have theorized that this is the actual opera happening in the yeah, background, yeah. and that it's a weird opera. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's yeah a yeah. weird yeah. opera. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Which I, I think at the time I felt that's what was mm. actually going on because they're obviously at a concert. Yeah. That's obvious. Mm. I don't think I ever thought of it as an opera. I yeah. felt there was some kind of arts piece happening. Yeah. Um, but I, I did on the first listening feel that it was mm. the, you know, actually mm. happening. But because of the way he's talking about it and because of that history of the, mm. the low choir, the male choir, when we're talking about Sith Lords, mm. um, Snoke is obviously a Sith Lord. That's no one's, you know. Well, mm. is he not? Uh, look, I think I think the inference is is that the Sith are no longer like he's a he's a dark force user. Yep, uh, and an evil doer. Yes. But I don't. I think the I think the suggestion is that they no longer use the name Sith. Oh, right. In the same way that the Jedi have sort of disappeared. Well, yeah. Um, yeah. Then the Sith therefore have also the the mm. formal training of the Sith have disappeared. Well, now, look, we'll, we'll see. Now, there have been... Look, I, I don't know what I think about Snoke. Mm. I don't know whether they just came up with a bad guy, mm. you know, who can turn up and do things. Um, or there have been some theories around, because of this music very specifically, that this is actually Darth Plagueis. Mm. And that the the Sith who worked out how not to die oh. um, has actually survived. That's a good and theory. That he is all mangled up and sort of, it's almost like a Voldemort character. Yeah. <laughs> he he does look like he has been, he's got that crazy scar, you know, down through the middle of his head. He's obviously quite beaten up. Um, he looks like a character that could have mm. been resurrected or mm. has somehow, you know, avoided a killing blow across his, his head. Um, that therefore, that this is actually Darth Plagueis mm. trying to resurrect you know, the idea of the Sith and find followers. And um, because the fact that he has to encourage Kylo Ren to follow the dark side when mm. he's he says the whole time, oh, but I want, I'm feeling the pull to the light. Uh, mm. um, it feels like there's a guy who doesn't have a lot of options mm. and that he yeah. has found someone with a lot of power and there and is trying to pull him the other way. And he's, he's a willing follower. It's mm. not like, you know, the Emperor trying to pull Luke 
seeing the power in Luke and trying mm. to pull him over there. It's a willing follower. So, it's a bit of a, you know, it's not a great match, mm. those two. These aren't two massively, pa- it doesn't seem like they're really super mm. powerful characters. Mm. Um, like you said, perhaps untrained, mm. perhaps Plagueis has been resurrected, perhaps I don't know. Mm. Um, but this is one of those answers that I hope at least we start getting, you know, a few little clues or hints in the next film. Maybe they wait yeah. a bit longer, but... Yeah, well, you know. I mean, the thing is, you know, um, unless they make it absolutely clear, I mean, you know, like, they could come out a hundred times and say, he's a brand new character, you've never seen him before or heard about him, and people would still be like, oh, but he could be. Yeah, 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 yeah exactly, exactly. Yeah. Which is why I love the, the fan <laughs> the fan theories. Um, I mean, really, this podcast is sort of the, the music version of yeah. that. Of, <laughs> uh, don't tell us that John Williams said it was not that, but yeah, I think yeah, it could yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, so I think there's a very direct link there. Yeah. Mm. Um, moving on, there are a couple of really cathartic moments in this film. Um, and Williams has written uh, almost like, um, uh, and by cathartic, I mean um, death scenes. <laughs> Let's not beat around the bush. Mm. Um, one is when um, the, the Starkiller base tests its weapon um, and wipes out does it wipe out several planets? Yeah, it wipes out the Hosnian system. Mm. Oh, I like that system. Mm. <laughs> um, is Coruscant part of that? Uh, no, I don't think okay, so. Okay, good. Mm. Yeah, it wipes out the Hosnian system. And Williams writes this really kind of elegiac adagio kind of piece of music. Adagio being Italian for pretty slow. Yeah, slow. Uh, yeah. A really kind of mournful, sad, full of yearning and tension. And um, uh, it, it's a piece he uses twice in this film. Um, but let's just discuss the Starkiller base um, sort of uh, weapons test um, because it's very interesting how it's – I want to compare it to the other spaceship that blows things up, the Death Star in Episode 4 when it destroys Alderaan. Um, and Williams treats it very differently, him sort of you know taking this giant planet, blowing up stuff. Um, so let's hear what he wrote for the Starkiller base. And he called this, this Q – Uh, on his cue sheets, Sunbeam Strings. goes on and on and on um, and to me all I can think of here is and maybe I mean look there's a long history in film of treating really um, almost horrific moments with beautiful music mm. you know think mm. of um, what's the Oliver Stone film Platoon Platoon you yeah. know that really made use of Samuel Barber's I mean, this this is kind of like William's answer to that. Yeah. You know, mm. it's, it's people horrifically being murdered, dying, mm. and it's not playing the 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 glory, not the glory, the um the kind of uh, dread, you mm. know, in a really bombastic, the mm. evil empire is sort of taking over way. Mm. It's really um, that yearning 
the heart kind of version. I think this cue has to do so much heavy lifting. Yeah. I because I if I was to have one, I've got a couple of minor criticisms about the film, but I think this is really one area of the film that I think is if it is saved, it is saved because of the score. Mm. Um, and that's because with unlike Alderaan, for instance, mm. when it gets blown up at the end of the day, we don't know anyone on Alderaan, but we do know that the character we love and have mm. already met and fallen in love with already, Princess Leia, we do know that it's her home and that people she loved is on there. So there is something about like, oh, and then, you know, then we see the result of it, you know, the shockwaves through the force, you know, you hear the disturbance in the force or feel, sorry, mm. the disturbance in the force. You, you feel that there's something happens because of that. In this movie, some people die, and I've now because I've read comics and other things, mm. I know who those people were. Yeah. But upon first watching the film, I didn't really know who they were and yeah. why we should care. I mean, apart from the fact that it's, yeah. you know, planets worth of humans um, or, you know, um, humanoid uh, mm. people. Uh, but. I don't know why I needed to care about yeah. that. I did, they weren't really related to anyone as far as I could tell. And therefore, this cue has to do all the lifting. Yeah. You know, there's nothing in the film that's telling me I need to be sad. Yeah. It's the music that really does it. I mean, what do you think, Dan, with No, with I, I agree. I mean, it, <laughs> it weirdly brings to mind that kind of awful, um, I think it's a quote usually attributed to Stalin where he says, one one death is a tragedy, but a million is a statistic. Sure. So, that's sort of, you know, it's so incomprehensible how many people people have died mm. that it's sort of like you almost feel nothing yeah 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 mm. and it's because i think that you know, like i said we don't know yeah why yeah we, yeah. we need to and care. There, there were earlier scenes mm. with a senator that um that general Leia was um sort of training up yes um, that were filmed where she would go off and she's the woman who sort of moves towards the camera with the dark hair yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and she doesn't have any lines in the final film but mm. there were scenes shot and they eventually decided to remove it to preserve the appearance of Leia mm. but um because yeah. am I right that this is what is and once again I read, read this later mm. I certainly didn't get it from watching the film this is actually the destruction of the Republic yeah that's right like it's the yep. the seat of power of yep. the Republic yeah. and so they blow up it's like it's bigger than what the film makes it yeah. out to be yeah it's mm. actually like if that's the deal that should have been a massive deal <laughs> but I, I sort of like okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I also um, think the speech that um uh, the guy with the red hair, what's his name, uh, Dominic <laughs> Monaghan, Gleason. Going, sorry, Dominic, Dominic Gleason. No, Domnal. Domnal Gleason. Domnal. Sorry, mm. sorry, Dom. Uh, um, Hux. He, Hux. Yeah, General Hux. His speech is so it's so over the top that I sort of <laughs> I think it's almost a bit comical. The end of the Republic, you know, yeah. really like. <sighs> See, I, I had more time for that because okay. I, I felt that that. Yeah, I mean, once again, because he kind of explains what's happening, doesn't he? Yeah, he explains yeah. That they're about to wipe out. But I mean, it is comical. I think, I think mm. it is um, but you know, I felt that that sort of still was within that. You know, there's all that Nazi iconography that's happening, mm. and yeah. you know oh, yeah. that it, it's harkening back to all of that idea. So ridiculous Nazis, <laughs> you know, is, you know, fine. Yeah, um, yeah, sure. I'm down with that. But like I said, the, the the fact that this this piece of music tells us that this is one of the most tragic things to have happened in this film and probably mm. for many films for quite a long time. Mm. And yet I didn't feel anything. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so like I said, mm. I think uh, really John Williams was given a pretty impossible task here yeah. and he really gives it a go. Yeah, sure. You yeah. know, um, uh, 
Well, look, just for comparison, let's listen to the music he wrote for the destruction of Alderaan, which does play more the, the menace of what's about to happen. And we get a very fine hint at the end with, with some sad strings that something bad's happened, but it's, it's certainly not the, the drawn-out, wrought emotion of, of what he wrote for the Starkiller. It's interesting to contrast it though, because with the Star Killer, I mean, it's much more drawn out where he has to sustain that emotion. Yeah. Whereas the reason why that cue that we just heard works is because it's sort of like build up, build up, build yeah. up, and then the Zap. entire legs are cut out from the music. Yep. Mm. And it sort of leaves you with this feeling of like aborted momentum or, yeah. you know, something, you know. And the blast is really quick. It's like, mm. whereas yeah. this one's like, it's almost like they're in slow mo. You really yeah. see them like slow comets. Yeah, of of energy. Well, I mean, it's traveling a fast distance, which is, I mean, anyway, let's not get into yeah, that. But, but yeah, <laughs> thirty years in the future, surely their technology would have fast laser beams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come yeah, on. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. First order. <laughs> well, I mean, the fact that you can see it from the other side. Anyway, yeah. anyway, um, but yeah. Um, but look, yeah, the second time Williams uses this is for an even shocking. Mm. Uh, death, and that is, of course, of um, of Han Solo's demise. Now, this is um, one I cared about. Mm. Yeah, look, this this is beautiful, <laughs> um, but it really is interesting because Williams gives us um, he he gives us a bit of a menacing build up, even though the build up happens after he's kind of been stabbed by the lightsaber, um, and it's music that is in a really. It's kind of an odd time signature and it's unlike anything else in the film, this build-up I'm about to play you. Um, and then, of course, it goes into those elegiac strings as he falls off that kind of, you know, the, the, the walkway bridge and we kind of see shots of Leia falling down and those repercussions. Um, but have a listen then how it um, contrasts to another very strong not really death scene, but almost death scene, which is when Obi-Wan Kenobi chops off um, Anakin Skywalker's mm. legs and arms. or Is it legs and arms? Yeah, legs yeah. and arms. Yep. At the end of Revenge of the Sith. Because mm. um, that is another kind of beautiful, almost father-son relationship kind mm. of coming to an end. That's really. exactly what it is. Yeah. It's totally the father-son. That's pretty much yeah. what it is. Mm. Um, and the music there is, is equally as... Um, emotional and that kind of longing, uh, really heart-wrenching kind of string writing. But anyway, check out this, this build-up first. Three. 
Interesting. Yeah. yeah, they are. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, that build up for the the Han death one. I think, I mean, that that works perfectly with the very strange time signatures because it sort of it gives momentum, but it's sort of you don't. It's confusing to listen to. Yeah, and I think that adds to that scene of like something's happening, but I don't know what. Mm. Yeah. How yeah. do you I think mean, they play it in the film? Do you think they play that scene well? Uh yeah, I think it's yeah. perfect. And yeah, you know, talking about giving a room. The the um I was talking to one of the music editors who worked on on Star Wars and saying how JJ loves like just loves filling his films with sound and music and mm. effects and all that kind of stuff. And the gap before this scene is and by a gap I mean the the, the sort of section without music where, mm. where you know the orchestra doesn't play. It's the longest by far in the film. It's all yeah. close to four minutes. Right. Most yep. of the gaps are sort of often less than a minute, you know, mm. before the next cue starts. And so you really get this this air of silence, you know, and there's a bit of sort of nice father-son material, you know, where you mm. think they're going to gonna get along, he's going to join the light side, they'll be happy, happy ever after. And then, you know, there's a lighting change out with the sun um, sort of outside that's coming through. Mm. Um, the music turns a bit dark and then, you know, the lightsaber mm. goes through them and all of a sudden we're linked into this 9-8 passage which has six tuplets in three it's like three within three it's like six within three within three mm. so you kind of got one two three two two three four two three one and a two and a three and a, and everyone has a, a sort of a six tuplet in it mm. three one two three you know so on and so forth and, and it is an odd kind of time mm. signature mm. Um, but it's yeah I, I think it works Right. Mm. I mean, th- those little, little things are just endless question marks, aren't they? Yeah. It's like, yeah. what, how's, where's this going to go? And I, you know, at the time, I didn't really know where, which way it was going to go. Mm. You know, I mean, I think a, a, a maybe a smarter moviegoer would see exactly where that scene was about to go. Oh, look, um, as soon as he walked out onto that platform, <laughs> I was like, oh, see you later. Sorry, uh, your your OHS. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. Any <laughs> character that walks out onto that kind of a platform in a Star Wars movie, like you, is going done. off the edge. You're done. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, I, I do think that they, you know, I I wasn't sort of suggesting when I said, "How do you think they play it?" That mm. it was bad. I think mm. they do play it really well. Mm. I think they they still have all of those, you know. Yeah, this is not going to go well. Mm. But they still manage to yeah. keep the, you know, this could go either way. Mm. Um, there, I think the way that that Kylo Ren plays that scene is just really perfect. I I think that one of the hardest things to do is a is a death scene mm. where it's not an instant death. Yeah. And I think that even Harrison Ford plays it really mm. in a very interesting way. He's mm. sort of shocked. Um, but then at the same time, you can see in his face that he always knew it was going to go down that yeah. way. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he sort of, he doesn't struggle. No. He just... Just takes it. it. Yeah, just takes it and it's like, well, I can't struggle. It's my son, you know. Mm. And it's he- if he's gonna make this choice, well so be it. Yeah, and mm. it's sort of like a heartbreak rather than a death. Yeah. You yeah. Know? It's an excellent word for it. S- yeah. s- same in, in Kylo, Kylo mm. Ren as well. I mean, you know, you. I mean, well, firstly, I think it's brilliant how he calls out Ben 
which is the reveal of his original name, which is you know, um, yeah, obviously right, a does, great, yeah. great <laughs> callback. Yeah, mm. but but secondly, you know, in the in the novelization, um, it goes into detail about his internal thoughts and how he kind of expected that moment to feel like a relief, but actually he's just kind of terrified and is kind of quite upset at what he's just done, mm. um, and d- it feels kind of weakened yeah. by it. And I think that actually you can see Adam Driver's performance that that comes across quite clearly. Yeah, and totally. I think that that will be quite interesting to see that in light of yeah i think the last jedi is actually going to be that for him yeah i think it's going to be him working out do i like the path that i'm coming going down yeah and you know um yeah Mm. i think that's going to be where where we're really headed with his character in in the next film so we're just one super quick thing that i was going to jump in with um which will take five seconds but it's just something that i always think about whenever i see this movie um, just when we're talking about strings and we've been talking about prequels, we've been talking about emotional moments. Here's Finn's confession from uh, uh, The Force Awakens. Okay, got that in your head? Clear enough? Uh, well, got he- it. He- here is uh, the High Council meeting from the end of. Um, the Phantom Menace, where you know they're having, they're deciding whether Anakin can, can be trained. It's just, I mean, wow! I never noticed. That's the same cue. <laughs> yeah, man. If I played those right next to each other and said which film is which, uh, anyway. <laughs> you know, sometimes you hear Williams being like, "Oh." I've- God, he's done a good job. It really feels like Star Wars. Well, yeah. <laughs> in that case, I'm like, I, I remember conducting it. I really like this bit. Yeah. It feels very Star Warsy. Well, <laughs> God damn it. There, there, there you go. That's yeah. why. Yeah. Oh, well. I love it. And I think maybe the final thing we should finish on here is the fact that there is some diegetic music. There is. In this film, mm. as there often is. Mm-hmm. And uh, it wouldn't be a sort of a callback if we didn't have the version of the cantina yeah. <laughs> with Maz's, uh, Maz Kanada's uh, palace. Or mm. can- it's a cantina. Let's yeah. get serious. Yeah. Um, and, of course, we have the, the cantina band up the back. But it's a different sort. We don't have the, uh, the Benny Goodman. <laughs> we have... Uh, apparently, they do listen to other music around the galaxy. <laughs> yeah. And um, we get this little piece of music. Good job, Bob. There we go. Yep. Jabba flow. I got to say that, look, I, out of all the little kind of diegetic bits in all the Star Wars films, 
I have never gravitated towards any of them except that original Cantina band one. Yeah. Like all yeah. the ones in uh, Return of the Jedi, the was it Jedi Rocks Jedi and Rocks. stuff? Yeah. Mm. Uh, Jabba's yeah. Baroque Recital. I quite like the little sort of harpsichord stuff. Yeah, that's sort of kooky. Uh, that yeah. one, I like that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I never really dug them, and I'm a bit the same in this. But look, I think in the film, I think it's fantastic. It's mm, really, yeah. it's kind of, it's kind of a bit down, dirty, and grungy. Yeah, and it makes get, sense in this space. Yeah. Yeah. The kind of dirty reggae kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, yeah, and I mean, I suppose we should also point out this is not Williams this is actually Lin-Manuel Miranda yes the, the, excellent the music theatre composer exactly mm. behind uh, Hamilton yeah, he's a superstar now and wow. also and Moana also, yeah, yes exactly yes, he did. Yeah. He did, yeah, um, yeah. and and co-composed this piece uh, allegedly with with J.J. Abrams himself yeah uh, so cool. the, sto- the story is is that Abrams went to see Hamilton and ran, what, ran into I'm sure you don't <coughs> run into Lin-Manuel. I'm sure they had some VIP yes. room or whatever yeah um, and um and uh, Miranda joked, uh, it was sort of like, ah, oh, uh, you know, if you need some cantina music, let me know. And it, 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 oh, really? <laughs> yeah. And he had no idea that Williams had elected not to compose the the, the cantina style music. That's interesting. He, yeah. yeah. He hmm. decided that he just wanted to focus on the, the orchestral score. Yeah, right. And so Abrams was, you know, sort of casting around for, for somebody. Mm. And so that's how this came about. I'm disappointed. I would, I'd love to still, I'd just love a bit more, uh, just one final piece of zany Williams jazz. You know, <laughs> the, last, the last bit we got was in Prisoner of Azkaban with the night bus. Yes. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'd, yeah. I'd, that's I'd a great cue. Yeah. I'd just love a bit more. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well. I, I mean, do you think that, that, there'll be one in the next film? <laughs> well, maybe. But um, do you think that that cantina would, do you think it would be too close to the original if it had jazz in there? Yeah, but you know, if you're going for the vibe of the original, <laughs> like, I mean, you know, you could say the same about a lot of the music for this film that it's yeah, that's true. So I, I don't know. I mean, they really nailed the the cant like all of the monster like the monsters, the aliens. Mm. You know, they really ma- nailed yeah. the vibe in that room. Mm. I think that I, this- I think this cue is great in mm. in in the film. Yeah, yeah. I think the vibe. Really, yeah. Like mm. I said, that down and dirty kind of vibe. Yeah. I, I look. I think Hooligans, we will. Ruffigans. We we will. And look, you know, uh, a lot of this podcast has turned out to be predictions that will surely bite us. Uh, you know, um, once once <laughs> we'll be taking it down in two weeks from iTunes. But, but there <laughs> is <laughs> there is very you know from the trailers there's very clearly a sort of casino a ritzy casino scene in in the Last Jedi. So yeah. maybe we'll get some diegetic music of a different. Oh, sort. we're going to have to, aren't we? Mm. You, can't, you can't have a casino, an yeah. alien casino scene without having some diegetic music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Oh, on that note, literally, uh, that brings us to the end of part two and to the end of our analysis of Star Wars The Force Awakens. I really hope you enjoyed this two parter. We certainly had a lot of fun putting it together. Um, as you can tell, we are a little bit. Um, in love with uh, Star Wars, all things Star Wars. Certainly looking forward to the the new films. Of course, if you uh, enjoyed yourself, um, jump on iTunes or wherever that you you get this this podcast from, and uh, subscribe. Give us a rating. Um, you know, click like. Do whatever it is that you do. Get the word out there. If you have any questions or comments, or maybe there are parts that we missed in the over these two parts, because I know we definitely didn't get through all the music um, that you'd like to discuss or you'd like to get our thoughts on then please feel free to hit us up you can do that on all of the different social medias out of the score on facebook on instagram on twitter you can also go to our uh, email address 
and uh, send us an email and we'd be happy to get back to you on that as well. But until next time, I'm Andrew Pogson. That's Dan Golding. In the words of Luke. (laughs) Perfect. And he's Nicholas Buck. Thanks for having us, guys. And this was Art of the Score.